Welcome to the Talking Security Podcast. We will talk about items related to Microsoft security. Hi everyone, welcome for this new episode of the Talking Security Podcast. My name is Frans Oudendorp. This is the first episode after the summer break and I want to start with a nice hot topic. In the past months, Microsoft has the system around remote desktop computing is evolved. Started with remote desktop services as a remote app, Windows Virtual Desktop, and nowadays called as the Azure Virtual Desktop. It's more or less delivering a desktop or an application to an end user. But when an end user is using that desktop or application, how can we do that safely? Let's have a discussion on that. And therefore, I've invited Microsoft MVP, Freik Besson, to the show to enlighten us about this topic. Freik, welcome. You are a Microsoft MVP focused on remote desktop services, and you're calling yourself as an Azure virtual desktop and remote desktop services enthusiast. Could you explain a little bit more what that is and what you're doing in your day job? Yeah, sure. So first of all, thank you for having me uh, on the podcast. Happy to be here. And uh, I primarily focus on, uh, like you said, publishing applications and desktops uh, to an end user. And of course, in a safe way, which is what we're talking about uh, today. So being able to access applications and desktops and data within those applications from any device, any type of location uh, and any time. So mostly on the Azure virtual desktop uh, side, have also been doing a lot of uh, Windows virtual desktop and previously a lot of RDS uh, deployments. That's what I enjoy doing. Uh, and besides that, I also work with, uh, with automation technologies. So I like to work with infrastructure as code and all kinds of uh, development technologies around that uh, as well. In that case, I saw uh, there's a nice book published from your hand, Something with Bicep? Something with Bicep, yeah, exactly. So that's a project that I started uh, a couple of months uh, back. And uh, well, super excited that the book is uh, finally out. It's a book that covers... Uh, the bicep technology uh, from ground up. So if you're interested into infrastructure's code for the Azure platform, I encourage you to take a look at it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we will post a link to that resource uh, in, in the details of this uh, of this podcast. But there's also another book and that is uh, regarding security for AVD. And that link we will also publish in the in the details. And we will discuss that everything what you described in that book in this podcast later on. So before we start, Freik, AVD, Azure Virtual Desktop, could you start with an explanation of what it is and how we can use it? Yeah, sure. So uh, the Azure Virtual Desktop is all about being able to publish, like we said, applications and desktops uh, to an end user uh, using a remoting protocol. So uh, the user is able to access those desktops and applications uh, from any location, any type of device uh, any, at any time. And uh, we host that in the Azure Cloud. So when you think about that technology, that's not new, right? We've been all been in IT for many years, at least I know you and I are. So these technologies based on you know your Citrix, your RDS, your VMware deployments, uh, the technology itself is not new. But what makes Azure Virtual Desktop different or unique, uh, if you will, is the fact that it's all a platform as a service model uh, running in the Azure cloud. So that means that Microsoft is actually handling a lot of the infrastructure components for you, like uh, connection brokering and gateway and licensing and all the components that are needed for such a deployment, uh, which means that you as an organization or you as a partner uh, are actually changing uh, focus, shifting focus to what's really important, which is the end user experience and how to optimize that with 
image management and application management and profile management and user density and stuff like that. So it's a platform as a service model, uh, allowing you to publish those applications uh, and desktops uh, without having to worry about a lot of the infrastructure uh, components. Yeah, nice. And it's more than only publishing an application or a desktop. And that was what we're discussing in the in the next few minutes. But before we do that, there is a, a new kid on the block called Windows 365. Is that the same? Is there something else? What is the difference? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I get that question uh, a lot. So this Windows 365 or short cloud PC was uh, announced uh, very recently. It, uh, it fell out of the sky uh, all of a sudden, uh, but it is actually leveraging the Azure Virtual Desktop platform. Uh, and the key difference uh, between those uh, scenarios, because that's the common question we get uh, a lot, is that Cloud PC really focuses on providing a personal desktop. So a one-to-one relationship where each user has its own, his or her own uh, VM running in Azure with all the applications in there as well. And the other key difference is that this is for a fixed price per user per month. So whereas your virtual desktop is really driven on a consumption model, so the more session hosts you deploy as part of your pool, the more cost you have in your Azure uh, subscription based on that consumption. So you have to worry about load balancing and user density and scaling and stuff like that. Where Cloud PC is a fixed price per user per month. So regardless of how many hours that VM is running, you can have it running uh, 24-7, you know exactly what it's going to cost. On top of that, you have all of the modern management capabilities as well, like Azure AD and MEM and all kinds of um, technologies to manage those desktops uh, as well. So it's, I would say it's an interesting new family member, or like you said, a new kid on the blog, really providing us with more choice, more option between either a full AVD platform with more customization and a little bit more complexity in terms of deploying it, and Cloud PC, which is focusing on well the ease of deployment and having that for a fixed price per user per month. So in that case, it's not replacing AVD or something else. It's a new option, uh, adding to the family to have a customer's nice new option to choose on. When looking at Azure Virtual Desktop, when dive in a little bit deeper, there are a lot of security components that are part of the game. So. First of all, you already mentioned it, Microsoft is managing some some infrastructure. Customer has to do some other things. But what are the responsibilities from a security perspective for Microsoft? Yeah, that's definitely a great question. So, you know, regardless of what IT project or what implementation you do, I think that security should always be uh, top of mind. And Azure Virtual Desktop is no different uh, to that. So if you have uh, experience with existing uh, SBC VDI scenarios. You might be hosting this on-prem or at a hosting uh, facility. You know exactly who is responsible for all of the security on top of all of those moving parts. Uh, that's you or that's the partner that's managing that for you. But when you make the transition towards Azure Virtual Desktop, that changes because many of these components are now being managed by Microsoft. So uh, what you need to worry about and need to understand is where Microsoft is responsible for in terms of security on top of those components, where their responsibility ends and where yours begins. Uh, so that is something that we'll talk about in more detail in this podcast uh, as well, is the security components that you need to worry about as the customer or as the partner uh, organization. But from a Microsoft perspective, the infra components are a responsibility for Microsoft. What components are there? 
Exactly, yeah. So Microsoft is responsible for the security on top of all of the infra components. So this is uh, the web access, the gateway, the diagnostics, uh, all the extensibility components uh, on top of that. So basically anything that you do not see in your subscription, Microsoft is handling uh, that for you as part of the platform. And you as a customer or organization or partner need to worry about the security of all of the components that you do see in your subscription. So this is your uh, your networking, your Azure Active Directory, conditional access, securing the session host servers, the data, the workspace, uh, etc. Yeah, and you mentioned there are six pillars that we will cover in this recording. What are the pillars for that? Yeah, so we take a look at uh, the responsibility, at least where you can add more security on top of the components that you are uh, managing and maintaining. The six uh, pillars are, of course, identity. That's the number one thing that we try we think about uh, uh, such an environment, making sure that we have uh, proper identities, proper security, and proper authorization on top of those identities. The second one would be data. So making sure that the data that's being consumed within those desktops or applications uh, is secure. And of course, the session host servers themselves. So although this is a platform as a service model that Microsoft hosts for you, the actual session host server that the user logs onto is actually a member of your domain and is running in your subscription. So you need to make sure that it's up to date and has the security uh, patches, etc. We'll talk about that in more detail. And then number four would be applications. So making sure that the user has the correct applications, that he has access to only the applications he is allowed to, to see and use. Um, and number five would be uh, networking, of course. So making sure that ports are closed, that you're using service tags and firewalls, uh, et cetera. And the last one is uh, is more broadly around uh, infrastructure. So making sure that you leverage the existing technologies in Azure, uh, like Secure Score, like best practices, uh, et cetera. So these are the six uh, pillars, and I think we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper in each of those uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw one of your presentations a while ago. I thought it was on the uh, WP Ninjas uh, conference. There was one slide, and that was triggering me. The control plane is part of Microsoft's responsibility, as we said, but we are not using port 3389. Then the next one was, so we secure. Is that so? Or uh, do you have an explanation what that means? I, of course, uh, added that as uh, a sort of a, a teaser or a joke at the beginning of this uh, session. So I think it was literally Azure Virtual Desktop doesn't use uh, port 3389, so we're secure, uh, right? Question mark which is obviously not uh, the case. So uh, yes, it doesn't use that port. Uh, we'll talk about something that's called reverse connect when we touch upon those network uh, components. But other than that, like we said, there's a lot of more security pillars that you need to worry about, uh, Only uh, not only TCP ports uh, only, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that, yeah. One of the main concerns is uh, open uh, port 3389 and then uh, yeah, get every stuff inside your, your network. Don't do that in your own environment. Uh, that is what several people in my podcast already have mentioned. But the first pillar, when accessing the environment, the first thing that we hit is the identity. What are the best practices around identity to access an Azure Virtual Desktop environment? Yeah, so uh, like we said, uh, you know, security, securing identities, that's the number one thing that everyone uh, thinks about. Uh, and there's a reason why this isn't the number one inside those six pillars uh, as well. Uh, it's super important to make sure that the user has correct identities, correct settings, and the correct conditions in order to be able to access that corporate desktop, corporate data, etc. So I think that the, the number one thing that we advise and that I always advise is enable conditional access and enable MFA. 
you've probably heard that before in this podcast uh, on other occasions maybe as well. Uh, but Azure Virtual Desktop is no different uh, to that because we are allowing users to access corporate data, which uh, should be secure and should not be accessible with only a username uh, and password. And in the case of Azure Virtual Desktop, it's actually more easy to configure than uh, than ever before because if you have experience with previous technologies like remote desktop services or you know, maybe Citrix or VMware, most of them were based on Active Directory. So you introduce another uh, factor, MFA uh, factor. There's a lot of infrastructure components needed in order to be able to, uh, to do that. But because Azure Virtual Desktop is a first-party service in Azure and because it's based on Azure Active Directory, we instantly have integration with conditional access and with MFA. So it's actually more easy to uh, to set up uh, than before, just going to the Azure portal, selecting the, the right cloud application, uh, making sure that you have uh, conditional access and MFA uh, enabled in there. Yeah, and with that conditional access, uh, we have also compliance policies uh, from the uh, Microsoft Endpoint Manager perspective. So integration with Microsoft Endpoint Manager with conditional access and all that managed and unmanaged devices, that's also part of the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And besides that, I would also advise uh, to also start uh, collecting and examining uh, all the audit logs that you have uh, in there as well. So as part of uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, you also have something that's called AVD Insights, which uh, is a technology which allows you to uh, digest a log analytics database, which contains logs about identities, but also about performance, about the health of your environment uh, in terms of AVD as well. So I can really also encourage you to enable that and, and use it to examine audit logs. So besides only configuring conditional access and MFA, also take a look at and examine where users are coming from, uh, if there have uh, been strange uh, behavior or stuff like that. So that applies to other services in Azure as well, uh, and similarly for, uh, for AVD as well. And regarding identity, we are using Azure AD as a cloud identity. The session notes will be coming uh, securing later on uh, in, the, in this recording. But is that session host still needed an on-prem uh, Active Directory? And do we have somehow two different identities? Um, do we have to secure them also on that part? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, that was spot on. So because, uh, you know, like we, like we mentioned, Azure Virtual Desktop is using Azure AD on the front end, which means that the client authenticates against Azure AD. That is where conditional access uh, and MFA uh, happens. But as soon as you log on to the session host server, you're logging on with domain credentials, with traditional ADDS uh, credentials. That also means that your credentials and your users and your groups need to be synced into uh, to Azure AD in order to have that uh, be working. Um, but literally, you are working with another identity on top of the session host server. So well, I think we'll address uh, securing that session host server later uh, as well. But in the meantime, we are also seeing uh, some new uh, development around Azure AD joint session host servers. So if you're using personal scenarios, for example, you can already do that. And in the future, we'll also see options to be able to directly join pooled session host servers directly towards Azure AD. And at that point, we only have one identity, which is the Azure AD identity. And we don't have to worry about on-prem or domain controls in the cloud, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so we nowadays, if we want to secure our identity uh, in the most uh, secure way, uh, we need identity protection from an Azure AD perspective, but uh, we need also Defender for Identity to secure on-prem identities and to see if uh, there is a possible letter of movement and all that sort of kind of stuff that could happen in an on-prem uh, AD identity environment. Yeah, 
agree. Nice. Um, that was uh, regarding identity. Uh, is there uh, something else that, um, that I've missed? Probably. Uh, for identity, no, I don't think so. I think that uh, well, the overall meshes, like we said, should be uh, enable conditional access and enable MFA because it's super easy uh, to do. And I really think that you should not set up any AVD environment without uh, making sure that you have your identities uh, secure. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Nice. Um, moving into the data part, when logging on, uh, we are on the system and we are using data, uh, company data. Also, I am a user probably on a shared desktop, uh, so I have a user profile. What can we do to secure my user profile in that? Yeah, yeah. like you said, once you are um, past all of the identity stuff and you're inside the session host server, you are usually in a trusted uh, in a trusted domain, trusted area, which means that you can access corporate data. Uh, this might be coming from uh, an Azure Files uh, share that you need to properly uh, secure or from any other application service or database service, uh, et cetera. That doesn't change, right? You are accessing uh, applications and data from uh, your existing uh, domain. So make sure that those uh, are secure as well. Maybe using Azure Disk Encryption for locations where that is uh, appropriate, for example. But more specifically for the Azure profile, uh, for the uh, profile management inside Azure Virtual Desktop, uh, there is uh, the option, I wouldn't say the option, the uh, the mandatory stuff to use uh, Avis Logics profiles, which is um, something that Microsoft um, uh, purchased, right? They acquired that a couple of years uh, back, which means that the FS Logics technology, the profile container technology, is part of something you are eligible of using inside AVD without any additional uh, licenses. And what it essentially does is it uh, captures the entire profile of the user into a single file, into a single VHD file, VCX file, which is stored on a uh, central location, for example, Azure Files or Azure NetApp uh, location. And once you log on to one of those session host servers, uh, your profile data is not copied to the session host server, but rather uh, that container is mounted underneath the session host server as part of your logon process. So that comes with a lot of benefits, uh, not only security, it always it also um, speeds up the, the, um, the logon time because we don't have to wait for profiles to be uh, synced or uh, stuff like that. And it doesn't really depend on the size of the profile anymore as well. So regardless of the size, uh, you always have a fast logon uh, performance because we are mounting your entire profile underneath that session host server. So that also means that uh, the data within that disk is uh, is also secure. Uh, and of course, you need to worry about the permissions on the central location that you're uh, using. So whether that's Azure files or Azure NetApp files, make sure that you follow the guidance that's out there to secure those uh, shares, uh, because that is where user data also uh, lands in terms of documents or maybe you're syncing your OneDrive data or your Outlook data, et cetera. So using those profile containers, they are stored in a secure place. But of course, you need to make sure that that place is actually properly secured using uh, the guidance uh, that's out there. Yeah, and regarding the data that you're using, with that data that we are using, we can also use Azure Information Protection to secure data within, not only within your uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, but also when you share that sort of data outside that environment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, in most cases, you will probably be publishing a full desktop, similar to how you treat security on a physical desktop, treat it similarly in Azure Virtual Desktop uh, as well, because the user will probably have access to enterprise apps, uh, you know, your, your Word, your Excel, and all of your other um, applications. 
So treat those applications and secure those applications with those technologies, uh, similar to how you would treat a, uh, a local or physical uh, device. Yeah, and when using data, there, uh, we have the necessary to uh, have an underlaying platform uh, that as the session host or the, uh, the, the operating system that is um, delivering with that. Within the session host, we have different things that we have to mention, I think. First of all, when using that OS, um, there are different settings that we can do to secure data leakage from out that system. Uh, what options do we have there? Yeah, so the session host server, that's, that's the VM that the user actually logs onto, and that's the place where he consumes the data and, and the application. And so besides securing the data and besides securing the uh, identity we talked about, uh, we also need to secure that session host server itself, uh, especially like we mentioned uh, for pooled scenarios where multiple users are logging onto the same uh, virtual machine. They are sharing resources and they are sharing that VM uh, at that point. So you want to make sure that they do not have access to each other's data or do not um, shut down the VM, for example, uh, and disconnect all of these sessions. So locking down those VMs uh, is important. And of course, there are you know many years of experience uh, with everyone locking down traditional SPC or RDS uh, servers. Basically, the same thing applies there as well. So making sure that you have a proper GPO or Intune or whatever settings you're using in order to restrict, explore the command prompt, the control panel, stuff like that, to uh, have a basic lockdown of the of the session host server uh, itself. That's similar to how we're doing that uh, today. Should also do that in an uh, in an AVD environment. Yeah, and with that, uh, locking down the system, but also locking down the accessing that specific desktop or application, I like driver redirection or a screen capture. That I know from the past, I have done things with Citrix and uh, also with, with WVD and with AVD. It's evolving, in my opinion. And what are the benefits that we uh, now would, nowadays can use also within the client, I think, to lock that system further down, not only on OS security, so within the host itself, but also within the connection. Yeah, yeah, that's because we're leveraging the AVD platform. We have, uh, we also have control over, of course, like you mentioned, uh, device redirection. So making sure that, well, maybe disabling uh, clipboard redirection or drive redirection, so that data cannot be leaked from that trusted desktop in the cloud towards uh, the local desktop. Those options uh, are there as well. And recently also, maybe that's something you wanted to, uh, to address is uh, a screen capture protection, which is relatively new, uh, but actually allows you to uh, prevent taking a screenshot of uh, the session host server with all of the data in there to prevent leaking data using screenshots. And that's uh, always, that leads to interesting discussion because the first thing you always uh, get back is, well, I can still use my phone and take a picture of the screen. Uh, sure, uh, because that's not what screen capture protection uh, wants to prevent. Uh, it wants to prevent uh, the unintended uh, or unintended uh, screen captures. So you might have um, some malware running locally, which takes uh, screenshots off your entire screen or anything like uh, that. So it wants to, or you might be accidentally taking a screenshot and sharing that uh, somewhere that you did not uh, intend to. So it's not uh, it's not intended to prevent users actually trying to screen capture. Uh, it will, of course. So, um, but are you using the default tools or any uh, video recording or stuff like that? It will prevent uh, you from doing that. Uh, but it's more focusing on the unintentional uh, screen captures that might take place uh, by malware or by viruses or um, well, by accidentally taking a screenshot, for example. 
Yeah, and that discussion always pops up. I, you can always take a photo of data and so on. But what you said, uh, it's it's definitely for accidentally uh, taking a screenshot or something else. But I know scenarios that you have to give access to another partner, but something else, someone else in, in the world or something else. And you probably want to lock down the system so they cannot capture a video or uh, a, a screen capture for purposes for his internal environment. So it makes it possible. And that's good to know. So uh, we're taking the next steps. One thing to mention on that, uh, that is regarding uh, the client, uh, the AVD client. We have different clients for Windows, for macOS, for Android, for iOS, and for all other stuff. And it's good to know, I think there's some differences in the versions and in the systems that were the client on is running correct yeah that's correct so there is there's a matrix uh, out there which uh, literally discusses what you just uh, mentioned so uh, for each of the rdp settings if you will so uh, usb direction drive redirection uh, paint redirection and all kinds of other settings there's a matrix in one of the docs pages by microsoft that actually says and shows you which option is available for which client operating system uh, so, of course, Microsoft is working towards having full feature parity across all of those clients, uh, but we're not there uh, yet. So, especially if you're looking at, for example, the HTML5 client, which allows you to access the same application and desktop for using any local uh, browser, which is uh, HTML5 uh, capable, you, of course, have limitations more because you are using uh, a browser. And, you know, it's similar. There are, of course, a little bit difference between the clients you're using and, uh, and, and the features that you get. Uh, so I'll, I would really recommend that anyone who's using a Windows client in order to also uh, install the, uh, the AVD Windows client and not use the store client or HTML5, anything like that. Um, but there are slight differences in options that you have also re- regarding security for all of these, uh, these platforms. So if you have, um, like you said, multiple different types of clients that you expect in your environment, uh, make sure that you... Um, have that matrix and understand which security policy uh, you can or cannot apply or which functionality you can uh, use or not use based on uh, the client type you have. Yeah, and regarding uh, the settings for the client, uh, the identity, conditional access, uh, with that, it's possible to fully lock down a machine to uh, from accessing from an unmanaged device and uh, with that, have the possibility to deliver an application or a desktop on an internet PC, for example, without the possibility to store local data on that system. Mm-hmm. Yep. When looking at the host, uh, we are discussing uh, GPOs so we can lock down the system, uh, the client redirection within the host, but also in the AVD client with accessing that specific host. But on that host, we have two other things we are using uh, defender for endpoint for example in a normal windows environment or in a mac uh, with, with mac os systems is defender for endpoint also supported on an avd environment yeah it is uh, and i really encourage you to, to also enable that uh, and leverage that uh, that type of security on uh, on the session host so uh, treat that and use that as uh, as you would do for physical uh, clients uh, as well the second thing that I want to mention that is patching. Starting security, it's always done with, with patching because 
if you're running out a secure hot patch of or or something else, uh, there is a zero day. Then we have a problem, and we need to fix that immediately or as soon as possible. That comes with image management, I think. But what can we do regarding patching in an AVD environment? Yeah, that's a great question, and and that always uh, uh, is one of the topics that that uh, needs to be addressed uh, uh, properly as well. Is how to deal with the image that we're using towards those session host servers, and I think. We should divide that into the two categories that we have uh, in AVD. So we have the personal ones, which means that every user gets his own virtual machine uh, that's usually dedicated. Uh, so he always logs on to the same machine and he basically owns that, uh, that VM. In those cases, you'll probably use any existing technology you have uh, for patching that you use for physical devices uh, nowadays uh, as well to make sure that they are, they are up to date. But the more uh, used um, option is the pooled scenario in Azure Virtual Desktop because that's where you get the benefit in terms of uh, uh, the cost and having to reuse and share systems and save costs uh, in there as well. You now suddenly have session hosters that multiple users are accessing. So uh, you usually treat that different and still have uh, an imaging approach. So um, what you have is uh, the scenario where you set up a, uh, a golden image, you make sure that that's up to date, and you deploy that towards um, the session host pool and, uh, and update uh, the machines like that. So of course, you're not doing that manually. You're not you know, each time doing that as a manual process um, into updating the session host uh, pool. So uh, you could look into something that's called Azure Image Builder, which is basically a, a fully automated way to um, change uh, or update a golden image with uh, applications and uh, and updates uh, in there as well. So it comes into uh, uses three different uh, steps. You have uh, the source, which allows you to define the source of the image uh, creation. So for example, my source could be Windows 10 uh, multi-session uh, 20H1, for example. Then you define what's called a customizer step, which allows you to install, update applications or settings or do uh, image optimizations, uh, etc. And then you define a distribute step, which allows you to automatically distribute that image into, for example, a shared image gallery. Um, so all these steps are automated. So uh, once that's completed, you just have a new version inside your shared image gallery that you can easily deploy towards uh, the host pool. So that's an automated way of doing it. Of course, there are many different other ways uh, of, uh, of making sure that your applications and updates uh, are complete. So I'm not sure if we're going to address this, but for example, we have technologies available that allow you to extract applications from that golden image by using uh, things like MSIX Appetite, uh, for example. Uh, but either way, uh, you will still have to deal with images, uh, for example, because of the Windows updates that are out there uh, and that need to be uh, maintained or your Office applications, so usually in most cases, Office is not extracted from the OS, but it's actually inside the image that you distribute. Uh, that needs to be updated frequently uh, as well. So in order to have that in an automated process, Azure Image Builder can really help you uh, in that regard. Nice to hear that there is an automated process to make that possible because within a shared desktop environment, it's always hard to deal with with that sort of, sort of things. But also, you mentioned MSIX. That is a technique to extract the application from the uh, operating system, but also an application can have a zero day. So when an application needs to be patched, uh, you also have to use the image builder to update your complete image. Or when there is a specific application, you need to update the MSIX package and deploy that in another way. So even if it's OS zero day or an application zero day, you have to update and 
uh, you can, uh, in my opinion, you can have a selection on that. When it's an application, you don't have to update your complete image. You can only update your MSIX package, so it's extracted from that. But you have to take action. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so depending on which technology uh, you, you selected, uh, you have different options to uh, to make sure that those uh, day zeros are uh, are patched. And uh, yeah, I think that Azure Image Builder and the combination, uh, especially with uh, with things like MSAX Appetach, is going to really really helpful in order to get those uh, patches uh, in a fast and uh, efficient way. Uh, when looking at securing the OS, Microsoft is delivering different baselines. Uh, the baseline for Windows 10, for Windows 11, uh, that's coming. Uh, also for for server part, are that also used within an AVD environment easily? Yeah, there are a couple of uh, baselines uh, specifically for Azure Virtual Desktop uh, as well. So I might be able to to link to that uh, in the um, in the later in this call uh, as well. There is an Azure Security baseline uh, specifically for for Azure Virtual Desktop, which touches on topics like uh, the network security, uh, the data protection, uh, incident responses, and all of the components uh, that come into play. So definitely a great source to get started if you want to have more information on uh, what you can do and what you can secure uh, based on a, I must say, very extended baseline document. It's a huge uh, document, but it's, it's a good read and it allows you to uh, to get an idea of all of the moving parts and locations and stuff that you can uh, secure additionally. So it's it's the baseline for AVD is broader than only OS. It's more or less also infrastructure components and, and that sort of stuff. Yes. Okay. And on top of the session host, uh, we install applications. Uh, we already mentioned that uh, delivering with MSIX and uh, all different uh, techniques. What options do we have to secure applications for an end user? Yeah, that's yeah. So uh, there will probably be no Azure Virtual Desktop deployment without uh, applications. So at least have you probably have the Microsoft Enterprise two uh, five applications, for example. I think that's the, the number one application suite that actually is installed and running in uh, in most AVD environments, which is obvious, right? Uh, because, uh, well, it's, it's becoming the virtual workplace of the user. Uh, so in regards to those applications, the same uh, security policy advice or documentation applies there in order to secure that specific 365 suite. For other applications, you probably have um, um, organization uh, applications or third-party applications you want to include in those AVD environments as well. Uh, you can still use, and this seems like uh, aging technology, at least uh, to me, but it's something that's called AppLocker, which allows you to um, restrict access to certain applications, uh, executables uh, based on their their product names or the file service uh, or the file systems, uh, file versions, et cetera, and allowing you to simply provide an access denied when a user wants to access a specific application. So uh, that obviously comes into place when you have those pooled scenarios we talked about with multiple users logging on to the same VM. You want to prevent that a specific user has access to an application that he's not uh, able to access it. So AppLocker can uh, prevent uh, that. So it allows you to have a single golden image with all of the applications in there and simply uh, block access to uh, to those applications. Uh, obviously preventing the scenario of having to create a new golden image for each department or for each use case or for each uh, scenarios. Uh, but the more interesting approach, at least I think, is uh, something that's called application masking. And that results into a whole different experience for the end user because AppLocker with AppLocker, you still see the application. You're able to click on it and you get this annoying access denied uh, policy for the end user. 
but app- application masking allows you to literally mask the entire application. So it literally is removed. So it seems from the end user. Uh, the end user does not see it, not in the start menu, not in uh, the file tab association, not even in the control panel if it takes a look at uh, what's being installed uh, in there. Uh, you simply mask an entire application. So it's not so much a security option. It's, it was never intended uh, to do that, but it does allow you to have proper security for applications uh, by simply masking an entire application for one user and having it available uh, for another while still being on the same uh, virtual machine. If a user knows the application and the location of that executable, for example, you can start it from the command prompt, uh, but... Uh, the application is not visible, so he's not able to click on it and doing that sort of stuff. Probably, and we are already discussing that, locking down the host, uh, we can block the command prompt and the, the run uh, within a session. So with application masking, it's not visible, but also the possibility to lock it further down, you're unable to start that application if you don't know the location and so on. So I think a nice feature, because most of the users are end users, and they are only doing stuff like what I see, what I get. That is why I click. Yep. Yeah. And the funny thing is that it, it, it's uh, it's fully transparent for the for the operating system and the user as well. So, for example, if we, if I would want to hide uh, the entire office suite for one user, and he would have a uh, docx uh, file in his AVD environment, uh, he would try to double click it. Uh, he will not get access because for him the OS thinks that there's no file type association for that specific file type. So it's really uh, extending to the level where the entire application is fully masked for the end user as well as for the operating system. Yeah, that's great, great. That was uh, regarding applications, regarding session host data. Uh, We have two components uh, left. The first one is networking. Networking also within that host, but also outside the host in order to access a company data on a data server or on an application server. What possibilities do we have on the networking side? Yeah, in terms of networking, it's important to understand that that's uh, part of the uh, Azure Virtual Desktop platform is that there are no inbound ports needed. So we briefly mentioned uh, the port 3389 that needs to be open for RDP sessions uh, in other uh, conditions. AVD does not have and does not need any inbound ports towards the session host servers. So in terms of inbound ports, the firewall in front of those session host servers can be completely closed with no inbound ports, uh, which is, is of course needed because we're leveraging the Azure Virtual Desktop platform that we share with other organizations worldwide. So there's no connection, no inbound connection needed for our secure uh, service in our uh, Azure subscription. Uh, and that's because we're leveraging something that's called reverse connect. So that means that Azure Virtual Desktop, uh, when you deploy that, you get an Azure Virtual Desktop agent on those session host servers. And it actually uses an outbound port towards the Azure Virtual Desktop uh, platform. So that's how they connect uh, their gateway components as part of AVD towards your session host server. It's all by using a outbound port. So not only for connecting a session host server initially towards an AVD deployment, but also for all RDP traffic, uh, we're leveraging that uh, reverse connect option. So from a ports perspective, I've mentioned that uh, before, no inbound ports uh, are needed. Secure by design uh, in, in that context. Yeah, for, for ports, uh, for sure. And of course, that agent needs a couple of uh, resources to uh, to access the AVD uh, platform. So there are a couple of uh, service tags available that allow you to configure those easily uh, inside your network uh, components. 
And there's also something that's called the WVD Agent URL Tool. Uh, and yes, it's still called WVD. Uh, they have not changed uh, the name. So Windows with your desktop name. Uh, but it's a tool that you can run inside your session host server, and it comes back with a list of all of the URLs that the agent requires and all of the URLs that, it's, uh, that it did access or could not access, which is uh, really handy for, for troubleshooting uh, connections towards uh, the AVD platform. But that is a, a step that you need to take as a consultant or as a customer to get control about the connections to your session host. Yeah, and and uh, on top of that, you could also leverage, uh, for example, Azure Firewall. So if your organization wants to also secure any outbound traffic, so traffic uh, that's initiated from within the WVD, oh, sorry, AVD session to the outside world, uh, you can also use Azure for, uh, Azure Firewall in order to inspect and secure that that outbound uh, traffic and maybe restrict locations that the user can actually browse to or have access to as well. Yeah, and when looking at that as the networking component, so we can more uh, secure inbound regarding the URLs that you mentioned and uh, the reverse connect that was secure by design. On top of that, we can use Azure Firewall to secure outbound connections within the complete infrastructure. Are there other best practices that we can use? In terms of networking, you mean specifically, or? No, infrastructure-wide. Yeah, I think there's, uh, and we'll probably mention that later on, uh, maybe at the end of this call as well, there is uh, there's guidance in uh, having a secure AVD environment over all of the six pillars that we discussed. Uh, that's actually an ebook that's available uh, for free, which is provided uh, by Microsoft. Uh, and takes you through uh, not only the the networking, but uh, but all of the six uh, pillars we talked uh, about, which does contain more details and more uh, hands-on uh, guidance on how to get started with each of these uh, six pillars. Because we we only have uh, about fifty minutes to uh, to talk about this uh, today, so we cannot go into the, all of the nitty-gritty details about uh, deploying that and what are some of the requirements, etc. But I can recommend you to, uh, to to read that ebook if you're more interested into all of the moving parts and infrastructure components and how to secure uh, those broader than only um, what we have uh, discussed uh, up until now. And um, I will publish the link to that ebooks uh, also in the description of this recording. From an infrastructure perspective, do we have there best practices, other tools that we can use to get insights and other stuff? Yeah, I think that uh, the five pillars we just uh, talked about, those are really focusing on the Azure Virtual Desktop platform, right? Uh, but because AVD is a first-party service in Azure, we can also uh, reuse a lot of the components and options that we have uh, in there as well. So to give you a couple of examples, you can do something that's called Secure Score, which allows you to get a literally a score about uh, the security of your environment. Uh, and it also is also uh, able to pinpoint a couple of things specifically for Azure Virtual Desktop. Uh, so uh, recommending that, that to reuse that as well. And since we uh, we talked about uh, log analytics and how AVD Insights is able to uh, ingest all of that data that's coming from your host pools and your session hosts in terms of uh, security as well, uh, you can also use Azure Sentinel in order to process all of those events coming from the session host servers, maybe from Defender, uh, Endpoint Alerts, etc., and also uh, data about the uh, Azure Virtual Desktop backplane diagnostics because they all end up in the same log in the next database. So you can, of course, use uh, Azure Sentinel to create a couple of scenarios there to, uh, well, highlight things that are going on or um, inspect traffic or weird uh, event log messages, uh, et cetera. 
Yeah, regarding Azure Sentinel, that's a, that's a great one because I know a scenario some developers are using a personal desktop within AVD that are doing specific stuff and we created uh, there's some specific use cases on top of that scenario where we can trigger alerts if there is happening something and that is not directly AVD, but was specific a workload that is running on that AVD environment. So with that, it's possible to define your own use cases, set it in um, and run it in Sentinel, get all the events and the logs and colorate that in order to get an alert. And that is using uh, what you mentioned, Defender for Endpoint, Log Analytics and all other stuff. So a great tool to get visibility, but also to secure your complete environment further. Yeah, uh, exactly that. And uh, and because all of that information is already there and uh, and even uh, they're working on uh, having um, log analytics components be automatically deployed as part of Azure Virtual Desktop uh, as well. Uh, They also, of course, from a Microsoft side, see the importance uh, in regards to security. Uh, So they want to make it more easy and easy to have uh, those log analytics data be be collected. And uh, you get a lot of telemetry data, not, not only about security, but also about things like uh, who accessed uh, which desktop and how what was the average logon time in order to improve um, your scaling, your auto-scaling, or the VM size that you're using uh, as well. So it's a great uh, workbook uh, that also comes with ABD Insights uh, that we mentioned. So not only, like you said, uh, you know, having Sentinel uh, do um, these scenarios and getting all of that data and, and information uh, in regards to uh, security, but also reusing that same log in the latest database to get insights on uh, the overall usage of your AVD uh, deployments and uh, spot scenarios, errors, or performance issues uh, in there as well. Yeah, great great to have that. Um, there was one thing that we already uh, covered a little bit, that is the um, Azure Security Baseline. Uh, the Azure Security Baseline, uh, what you said, is not only the networking or the OS part, it's more or less, it's broader than that. What is covering everything? Is it covering everything? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say everything. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's a promise I cannot keep, but it's, it definitely has, um, it's a great document that contains a lot of different topics around uh, securing uh, uh, AVD as well as other Azure components that you need as part of Azure Virtual Desktop. Because it's not only the AVD components, it's also you know, data that you consume within other Azure resources or file services or uh, application services you are accessing in Azure uh, as well. It's a full document that contains, uh, well, also things about uh, the endpoint security, how to deal with uh, backup and recovery, uh, to make sure that you have uh, the correct uh, settings in there uh, as well. Uh, so definitely a great read, um, but do um, reserve some time for it uh, to read because it's it's a big document. Uh, but there's a lot of information uh, in there uh, that's really helpful for sure. Yeah, great. And uh, one keeping in mind all these these things that we just dis- uh, discussed that that the, the six pillars like identity, data, session host, applications, networking, and complete infrastructure. With that, we can secure the complete AVD environment optimal for our end users. Is there, with the end of the, this recording, is there one message that you want to give to the listeners regarding security in your Azure Virtual Desktop environment? Yeah, I think that if there's one takeaway from this podcast, it will be uh, to take security seriously. And that does sound like an open door. Uh, but, you know, like we said, understand where uh, Microsoft responsibility ends in terms of the AVD platform. So, yes, you are 
consuming a platform uh, that seems like a full platform as a service model, and it is, uh, but do realize where your security permissions and your responsibility comes in and make sure that you have the appropriate actions uh, that correspond with your organizational security uh, requirements because you are publishing full desktops that have you know corporate data in there and that are treated uh, secure. So take that seriously and, and take a look at uh, the six pillars in order to improve the security uh, based on your specific organization uh, requirements. Yes, thank you. I, when you're starting with AVD or you're running already AVD, keep that in mind. Freik, many thanks for being here on the show. Delivering a desktop or an application is really easy, but don't forget the next step in securing them. Thanks. Yes, thank you for having me. And of course, as always, thank you for listening to this episode. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.